Chad and John, the two-man power trip. That's uh, that's an awesome uh, name for yourselves. Good. How you doing, Chad? Hey, John. Cool, man. What's going on? We ready to go or what? Okay. This is Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. This is Scotty Riggs, and you're listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling. Hey, man. What's up, guys? This is Homicide. Oh, that's my homie. Homicide with a big homie club. Yeah, that would be it. <laughs> hey, this is David Penzer, and this is the two-man power trip of wrestling. Well, thank you. Thank you. Hear me. Fear me. What's going on, guys? This is a 7-foot, 330-pound DNA of TNA. That's right. My DNA is outer space. And you're listening to the two-man power trip of professional wrestling. You know, I, I don't do many wrestling shows anymore, probably because I'm a bit ignorant. You guys probably know 10 times more than I do. Great talking to you guys. It's been your pleasure. <laughs> They've worked in and around the wrestling business. They've studied thousands of hours of wrestling, and now they bring to you the greatest legends, Hall of Famers, creative minds, and both current and future stars of pro wrestling. They are Primetime Pod and Chad, the two-man power trip of wrestling. Two-man power trip of wrestling brought to you today and powered by Meowbox. Meowbox is a monthly cat subscription box service full of surprises and delivered to your door every single month. And please be sure to stay tuned a little bit later on in the show for a special promotion just for the listeners of the two-man power trip of wrestling, courtesy of our good buddies over at Meowbox and Meowbox.com. And with that being said, my name is Chad, and as always, I'm joined by my tag team partner, Primetime, John Paz, the man himself. And John, today on the show, we are joined by former TNA superstar, Cody Diener. And when you think about Cody Diener, and you think about the typecast of the character and what he portrayed while he was on TNA television, you think about something that TNA really gets in, in, a, in a groove on, and that is they take a character, they, they get these ideas, they get these vignettes, they get these concepts and these storylines, and they get them moving for months and months and months, and then they just fizzle away and nothing ever comes of it. And I think with our guest today, Cody Diener, you really get an idea of just how those undercard storylines that TNA has developed, that they've just kind of put the kibosh on a little too early. You get the take of the performer rather than we get a lot of these start and stop, as we like to say, guests uh, that I think there's a, a very common bond between Cody Diener and some of the other past TNA superstars that we've had on. But, John, let me get your take on that and how it is very linked to past episodes and how that continued narrative is that TNA just doesn't know how to follow through with a good storyline from start to finish. Yes, Chad, back here again with another fantastic episode at the two-man power trip of a wrestling. And you know what? Today, it's one of those days where... You look back at the history of the show, we've had so many guests. I mean, obviously, we're well over 100 episodes right now. And you just look back and you think, man, there's so many unique and interesting and different and crazy characters that we've interviewed. And they've, you know, they've all been a blast. They've all been great in their own way. And then you come to today's guest, Cody Diener. And you think about him and you'd be like, you know, before we got him on, I'm like, man, this is going to be a weird one. This is going to be crazy. This guy is nuts. But, you know, you get him on, you talk to him, and he, great psychology about the business. Super smart guy. And uh, it's funny because, you know, sometimes we even fall into that trap where you think the character is going to be who you're talking to, um, you know, as you're setting up the interview before, before you actually get him on and talk to him. So very funny in, in that way. But he was a great, great interview. And, you know, you're really going to enjoy this one. But he's just one of those guys that can be thrown in there in the many group of guys, you know, many people that are in the group of the misused talents that have been in TNA. Think about, you know, prior guests of ours like Matt Morgan and Hernandez and guys like that, or Homicide even, totally, you know, were 
you know, set to, uh, you know, have a great run in TNA. They were going to do great things in TNA, and then all of a sudden, misused, misstep, whatever you want to say, you know, start, stop booking, and the guy, you know, gets his legs cut out from under him, and then, you know, he's just another guy, and TNA ends up releasing them, or they end up, you know, quitting TNA or whatever. But it's just always funny that, uh, you know, TNA has been kind of mismanaging a lot of these guys and it's you know somewhat sad to see but especially with Cody Jr. when you think about him and his career obviously he had the pairing with ODB which was pretty popular and you know they were pretty over but he had a great story about the psychology that you know that we'll get into in the interview which is great but a great psychology of his character and how he's basically was picked out of the crowd and uh, ODB you know basically picked him and everything else so when he's actually wrestling you you watch him like man this guy's clueless he's a terrible wrestler well, you know, his psychology is, well, I'm supposed to be, you know, basically just a fan and just uh, ODB pick me and like that. You know, I'm not supposed to be a trained wrestler. So, I mean, the psychology behind it is good, but I think there was a certain point within TNA that they should have realized what he was capable of. He's actually pretty damn good worker, as you know, you find out post-TNA and even pre-TNA. But, um, you know, they kind of stuck him in there with ODB and, and they kind of didn't give him the avenue where he can all of a sudden, you know learn somehow some gimmick could have came or he you know could have been trained or you know could have been training in the whole time to be a better wrestler but they kind of just they didn't decide to go that route where you know where all of a sudden he became you know becomes a good worker they kind of went the comedy route with odb where he obviously he becomes the knockouts champion then he's wrestling uh, awesome kong and he's wrestling victoria and he's wrestling odb and he's kind of wrestling all these women so they completely went into a uh, you know more of a comedy direction for him and he was never able to get out of it like eric young was able to get out of it where they gave him more of a serious character and obviously now eric young is the maniac and i felt like cody diener had the capability and had the potential that they could have took him out of the comedy gimmick took him out of the beating up women gimmick and put him in a legit real you know gimmick maybe uh, he could still be a, somewhat of a redneck but you know take him away from ODB and, and just you know show his full potential but they never did that and then he ended up releasing him and that's quite a shame because uh, he's got a lot to give in the wrestling business obviously uh, post TNA that, that was seen and even pre TNA that was definitely definitely seen Without a doubt, and I guess you could call it 138 episodes in, to be exact, with the number on this Cody Diener episode. And he really has uh, gone above and beyond to kind of shed that stink, I guess you could say, that TNA put on him by making him a comedy character. And not to say that there wasn't a lot of room to grow, but he was kind of pigeonholed with what he could do with the lengths the character had already gone to versus where they could go with it. But he's got some pretty good, pretty good ideas and, and some decent psychology uh, that he wanted to add to the character that, of course, just was not an... If you think about TNA and you think about some of the ridiculousness that they've done over the years, yes, you know who Vinny Rue is involved in the creation and some of the uh, implementation of the Cody Diener character. So look forward to some of his comments about Russo. Uh, but talk about him as a fan. You know, he was a great fan as a kid. He talks all about that, which is so cool and also so funny when it comes to his story about Hulk Hogan. But talk about how post-TNA and what he's doing right now, how he's tried to reinvent himself and how we've seen other superstars do that in the past, that they go away for a little while and they kind of try and change the uh, the gimmick, try to change what they look like, but kind of keep that name and that same persona. Well, why don't you talk about how Cody Diener has gone above and beyond to kind of shed the goofiness of the character with keeping some of that genuine Cody Diener style all within. He has definitely tried to, I guess you would say, reinvent himself, you know, and become a pretty good niche character for sure. I mean, he's still the, you know, he's like the working class warrior, he's giver, and, and all this kind of good stuff. But he's definitely, you know, has a niche, he definitely has a role, and he definitely shows you that, hey, that Cody Diener isn't a, so much of a comedy guy. He's actually a pretty good worker, pretty good wrestler, and a pretty damn good talent. So I mean, he's kind of been able to, uh, you know, reinvent himself after TNA, which is great to see because, uh, you know, after being a knockouts champion and being, you know, paired in there with wrestling women, it's always good to get back out there and show people what you're truly capable of and, you know, change it up and, uh, you know, almost reprove yourself uh, to the wrestling fans. And he's for sure, definitely, he has done that. 
But one thing that uh, we talked about in the interview that I found very interesting and because I, you know, I remember it quite well. He was a WWE tryout for quite a while. He was in a bunch of WWE dark matches. He's been on TV a couple times. And then, you know, something that really, really springs forward into my mind was the hometown hero thing with Kurt Angle. And he was able to wrestle Kurt Angle. He was under the name Cody Steele at that point. So he's got a great story about that. Absolutely love that. That whole Angle story, everything he talks about WWE is absolutely great. And also, his stuff about TNA as far as what Hulk Hogan said about him, what Eric Bischoff said about him. The whole Hulk Hogan controversy does get uh, talked about, it, and uh, he does have a great story and a great rebuttal to, to the Hulkster. So stick around for that. That is some great, great stuff. And uh, this is one of our most fun interviews. You're really going to enjoy this one. This one will surprise you. Uh, Cody Dino was a great, great guest. Totally. He was an awesome guest. And those stories are as advertised. They are fun. They are funny. And you're going to get a good laugh out of a lot of the stuff that Cody Diener brings to the show today. And we were thrilled to have him on. And thank you so much, Cody, if you are listening for the time. And it was our pleasure. Now, speaking of our pleasure, why don't we talk about how we're part of the TopRowPress.com radio network. And we have exclusive best ofs and some original content headed the way of TopRowPress.com in 2016. And that is in itself a holiday present for you if you will be observing a very Merry Christmas this week or any of your other religious and holiday observances. So all the best to you. And speaking of that, if you're finding that hard to buy somebody in your life, you don't know what you can get them, well, head on over to MeowBox.com. Throw in the code POWERTRIP10, and you're going to save 10% off your first monthly box subscription simply by going to meowbox.com and throwing in the promo code, let's say it all together, same time, POWERTRIP10 into that checkout box. 10% off is headed your way, and you guys are going to enjoy it. And I hope anybody who has bought a Meowbox in 2015 enjoyed, and we hope for many, many more Meowboxes in the future with the two-man power trip of wrestling and with that being said john before we get over to cody diener hit him with a little two-man power trip of wrestling business and of course tell them just a little bit more about meow box yes meow box baby they are the best they have a little service called one box can where every meow box purchase will get you a can of food donated to a shelter cat on your behalf so that is excellent also remember all edible items are made in the usa or canada so you know where your edible items are coming from now if you have a picky cat like mine lucy who uh, has a bit of a special diet you can replace your edible items with toys and surprises which little lucy absolutely loves and that is great of meow box so just remember folks that is meowbox.com promo code powertrip10 for 10 percent off your first subscription again meowbox.com promo code powertrip10 for 10 percent off your first subscription and now on to some tmpt business chad as you previously mentioned we are now part of the top row press family that's right top pro excuse me top row press.com and the top row press radio network we're a part of them and we're giving exclusive best ofs every week on there so please check us out there and please check out top rope press.com for all your wrestling needs because they're the best in the business today also some more tmpt business like us on facebook follow us on twitter at wrestling pal and at two man power trip also subscribe to us on youtube you can also subscribe to us on itunes please leave us a review we'd love to hear your feedback also while you're on itunes check out the feed for past great episodes with the late great american dream dusty Rhodes, harley race ricky the dragon steamboat sergeant slaughter tully blanchard stan the lariat hansen the blueprint matt morgan scotty riggs jerry lynn and so 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 many more so please check us out on itunes don't forget about the website tmptofwrestling.com that is tmptofwrestling.com and Speaking of another great sports network that we're associated with, check us out every week on the I-95 Sports Network. Google it up and check it out. That is the I-95 Sports Network. We're bringing best ofs and exclusives to them as well. So please check us out on there. Always some good stuff. Now, if you're interested in booking Kevin Thorne, a.k.a. Mordecai, a.k.a. Kevin Fertig, please email bookings at tmptofwrestling.com. That is bookings at tmptofwrestling.com. Just remember one thing, he's back out of exile and if you can check out the pictures of his transformation because he is looking huge 
He's back and he's in great shape. And he wants to bring the bike club to a town near you. So email us for all that booking information on the big man. And while you're at it, go check out the Kevin Thorne page on Pro Wrestling Tees. They're making the greatest t-shirts in the history of the wrestling business. So please go to ProWrestlingTees.com for all your Kevin Thorne t-shirts. And you too can be a member of the bike club. And now, without any further ado, the man that is from wherever his trailer takes him, he is the current Border City Heavyweight Champion and the current Battle Arts Openweight Champion, he is Cody Diener. Please enjoy. All right, joining us on the line tonight is pro wrestling star, former TNA superstar, and uh, kind of, I guess you could call him a world traveler, and that's Cody Diener. Cody, thanks for joining the two-man power trip of wrestling. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. So, Cody, uh, what have you been up to since we last saw you on uh, TNA Wrestling a few years back? How's your uh, career progressing as you travel uh, back, I guess, throughout Canada now, right? Yeah. um, Man, that's a... It's gonna take me a long time to answer that. If you want me to fill you in on what they've been doing, because uh, that's man, that's like five years of my of my career. Um, but I've been doing lots of things. I've uh, been really enjoying doing uh, the independent scene. Um, the independent scene is is thriving uh, right now, especially in the last few years. So I'm super busy with that. Uh, selling merch like crazy. Uh, I've also been doing some fun shows. Uh, for a, a local guy, uh, carnival circuit. I've been doing some carnival wrestling, going back to the old uh, original carny days when pro wrestling started. Uh, I've been doing some of those in the summertime. That's how I spend my summers. Uh, and uh, I've been also doing a lot of other things, too, um, still in the entertainment realm. Um, I have a band. Uh, uh, I'm a drummer in a band. I uh, actually filmed a pilot for a television show recently, and uh, I actually did some theater right after I got released from TNA, uh, some Shakespearean theater, uh, believe it or not. Right. So, man, I, I've been doing a whole bunch of crazy <laughs> things, and uh, yeah, I keep myself super busy. Yeah, you know, the reason I asked that is because, you know, you were definitely, a, you know, a pretty, uh, a, I guess I would say a pretty featured character uh, in TNA for a little while there, and then, you know, after the uh, Hogan-Bischoff regime came in, you kind of, uh, I guess, abruptly uh, let go, and we will be getting into that. But why don't we take a step back towards the beginning of your career, and why don't you tell us how you mm. got into the business? Were you a fan growing up? Oh, yeah, man. I was a huge fan uh, ever since the age of five. Um, you know, I was a huge wrestling fan. My first memories were of... Uh, when I was five years old, my, my mom, you know, sit me down after my brother was going to kindergarten and saying, okay, what do you want to do today? And my answer every single day was the same. And that answer was, I want to watch Hulk Hogan. So she'd put, uh, I had a tape, a VHS tape of uh, Hogan and Bundy in the steel cage. And I watched that every day on repeat over and over and over again. And uh, then I had this blue bear the stuffed bear that I beat the living crap out of every day. And uh, that was my earliest memories, my earliest childhood memories of uh, watching wrestling and loving wrestling. Um, It's something I've always wanted to do. So when I turned 18, I uh, started seeking out wrestling schools, found one um, fairly local um, to me, and uh, started training when I was 18, my last year of high school, and I've been doing it ever since. So then what uh, about what year... Uh, was that? Uh, 2000. So that was, you know, pretty much in the uh, the higher end of the uh, the Attitude Era boom, and we're just getting into the epic year 2001 where we saw two major companies close, and the WWF kind mm-hmm. of start to, uh, I guess, uh, turn their business into a completely different product uh, with no competition. But who were your influences yeah, I- getting into the actual business? Uh, there's a lot. Actually, going back to what you just said in terms of uh, the time frame, yeah, like the, coming in, like I, 
I talked about this with, this with guys that I trained with. Uh, a lot of us felt like we were like five years too late, you know, like because um, I I trained and you know when I was done training, um, <clears throat> there was like you had said, you know, ECW and WCW were non-existent, whereas five years earlier, you know, um, guys were getting picked up left and right. Um, so I really feel like I was, you know, just missed the boat uh, uh, on that. Um, but influences, um, at a very young age, um, I liked who I was supposed to like. Uh, I liked all the baby faces. I liked Hulk Hogan. I liked Richard the Dragon Steamboat. I liked Jimmy Snuka. Um, but as, after I got into the business and was re-watching um, the, the, the wrestling I loved from my childhood, I started to really appreciate um, the the guys that were able to elicit emotions from me as a kid, um, those emotions of hatred. So I started to rewatch and realized I actually love Roddy Piper, um, Bobby the Brain Heenan, uh, Jake the Snake Roberts, um, just to name a few um, of amazing, amazing workers who I, you know, despised as I was a kid, but I was supposed to. Um, so I, as I started to study the business and became a student of the game, so to speak, um, I started to expand my horizons and start to really watch closely a lot of those guys from my youth. It's funny, you were, you were saying that the Hogan and the, the King Kong Bundy tape and, and the beating up the bear, I had the, the Hogan-Andre yeah. tape, and I was beating up a bear and a monkey. They, they were, like, doing it together. So very similar. Right? Oh, yeah. I guess we're around the same age. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. Funny, like, yeah. I, I beat the crap out of that thing. All the stuffing was in the was in the head and the feet of this thing. It had no middle left. It was just totally beat the crap out of it. And uh, I, I also, um, <clears throat> I went through... Um, shopping bags like crazy, like the plastic shopping bags you get at the grocery store. I would uh, punch a hole in the top of it and one on each side and wear it as a shirt so I could rip it off like Hogan. And I'd make my entrance in the living room <laughs> and then just beat the crap out of that thing, man. Yeah, that's awesome. Those were the days, the Hogan yeah. days. Yeah, man. Being a, totally. Being a fan, yep. Mm-hmm. But getting into your actual training, who trained you and who was in your uh, class with you? Who, who else was in there? Um, in my class, um, there's no one super significant that have like necessarily gone to be on TV, but in my, um, in, in my actual class, um, I was trained by Danger Boy Derek Wild and, um, a lot of really good local talents, um, were there, but around the same time that I started to train, uh, my first year of training, I trained with Danger Boy Derek Wild, and then um, I moved to another town and started to do some additional training with Showtime Eric Young, and hmm. uh, he became a very close uh, friend of mine, still is to this day, still one of my best friends, um, <clears throat> and uh, he had some uh, awesome talent in his class. Um, who uh, that some of your people listening might know, uh, Ty Dillinger from NXT, the guy that I trained with, uh, Crazy Steve, who's now in TNA, as another guy that I trained with as well. Um, so there's a few guys that uh, are are road buddies of mine um, that have gone on to do some awesome things. Were you surprised that Eric Young was able to become a main eventer, or did you see that in him all along? I've seen that in him all along. Anybody who uh, was doing indies with him, like me, when um, back in the early 2000s, uh, he was main eventing everywhere on the indie scene, um, was wrestling a main event style, was cutting a main event promo, and was always the most over guy in the show. And it was just obvious to everybody that saw him that, that you know, he had it. You know, he had that it factor um, that you can't, you know, teach He's always had that, um, and um, you know I, I I always saw that he's a guy that I looked up to um, when I was getting in. We were both young getting in, but I always you know admired his his uh, athleticism and admired his talents um, even even 15 years ago. Now, as you start to progress a little bit in your career, where did you end up? Like, what was the first league? Was that the Hardcore Wrestling Federation, or was that a different league where you kind of made your home after you started out in the business? Uh, 
Yeah, they, that was actually the Hardcore Wrestling Federation was uh, um, a really a quite large indie in my area um, when I was just getting in, and they were kind of just closing down as I was getting in. So one of my first show was actually for the Hardcore Wrestling Federation, but then they they closed down shortly after. So the majority of my uh, first few years was with uh, the promotion that my wrestling school started to run, which is Fighting Spirit Pro Wrestling, which then became Neo Spirit Pro Wrestling. And uh, they're probably most famous for, actually, a, a ladder match between the guy who trained me, Danger Boy Derek Wilde, and Showtime Eric Young. I think there's a YouTube video clip out of it, uh, out there somewhere, if you... If, if you uh, go to YouTube and look Showtime Eric Young and Danger Boy Derek Wild. Um, but we had like a thousand people in a little Legion Hall to see their ladder match and the card was just indie guys. We never ever brought in a name or a TV talent. It was all local indie guys. And we were averaging five, six hundred people a show. If we had five like four hundred people at a show, um it was considered a failure. Um, it huh. was amazing. It was amazing, amazing promotion. And that was when wrestling was hot. You just had to put up a poster and say wrestling, um, you know, in the early 2000s, and people were coming. Plus, I feel like Canadian fans, I feel like there's such loyal fan base. When they like something, they really, like, get into it. Do you notice that with the Canadian fans? Do you really feel like a sense of loyalty from them? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's very true. Um, yeah, like being as a fan going to, to events, um, you know, you, I think Jerry Lawler would say it sometimes when they would go to Canada and he'd say, this is like bizarre world where we'd be, <laughs> you know, you know, cheering, cheering for the bad guy or whatever. But, you know, we were cheering out of loyalty to the people that we grew up with and it wasn't didn't matter whether they were a heel or babyface we were just loyal to the people that really we really liked and um who we grew up with and uh we were going to cheer for whoever we damn well pleased and uh, canadians are like that um it's awesome and uh, i get a, a huge sense of loyalty from my fan base um doing um independence shows around here I've had I had a fan, uh, a loyal fan, come up to me uh, just a few few weeks ago at a show, and uh, he aged me. He uh, came up and said, "I remember coming to Niagara Falls to see you wrestle for Fighting Spirit Pro Wrestling." And I said, "Oh man, that's awesome! You know, where <clears throat> did you used to come with all your buddies and you know, you know, jump in a car and come?" And he looks at me and goes, "No, I was." I was eight years old. <laughs> I was like, holy crap. <laughs> so uh, looking at this guy, just, I realized, holy crap, I've been doing this for a while. I got uh, people that have been following my career for the last 15 years. It's, uh, it makes you feel old, but it's, it, it's kind of cool. And uh, I'm, I meet loyal Canadian fans like that all the time. That, that is, that's, that's awesome. That's great. It shows you we're getting yeah. older. As Hogan yeah. said, every, every day each uh, the boys in the back a day older. Or whatever yeah, that, that, yeah. that famous quote was. Yeah, it's true. Um, speaking yeah. of things that are cool, though, you did get a few tryouts with WWE, but you weren't Cody Deaner yet. You were Cody Steele. Now, the Cody yeah. Steele character in WWE, was that just a, a, basically a few matches? I, I, I remember um, you had a match against Muhammad Hassan, but was that just a few matches you had with WWE? Yeah, I did uh, just a few with them. I did the Muhammad Hassan. I did um, a, a show on SmackDown with Kurt Angle uh, as Cody Steele. And then I did also a number of other tryout matches um, that weren't televised um, just in, in the ring with local guys um, before the event. Um, I did a whole bunch of extra work. Um, did that whole thing for, man... Probably about three or four years. Um, I, I can't even tell you a number how many I did. I did a whole a whole whack of them. I did I did a bunch. Um, anytime they were close to me, I would I would do them. Yeah. What was it like uh, with Kurt Angle? Because that was when he was doing that gold medal like open challenge. I guess he called mm -hmm, you out, mm -hmm. or or he, you got you had a crowd, or whatever. What was that like working with him? Yeah, uh, actually, the the uh, the experience was really surreal. Uh, some some behind the scenes stuff on that was. Uh, uh, it was in uh, Rochester, 
So the, he wasn't telling people about the crowd. He was inviting any hometown hero athlete from the city to come in and, oh, right. and challenge okay. him. Right? So I answered it as the hometown guy. So all he did was that, you know, he asked me my name. I give my name, and then I say, oh, uh, where, where are you from? And I, you know, say, Rochester, New York, and have this, you know, big baby face smile. And immediately, all I hear, you know, starting to rumble in the audience was, liar, liar. <laughs> and it gets louder and louder and louder. And I'm going, I'm just thinking, oh, my God. <laughs> because I did a whole, I wrestled the indies in Rochester, you know, every month. So all the hardcore fans in the audience knew me. So they cheered for me when I came out, but they knew he's not from Rochester. He's he's a Canadian boy. So I'm sitting there pretending to be the hometown Rochester guy. There's a liar chant going on. I'm like, oh god, they're gonna they're not even gonna be able to air this, or what are they gonna do? They have to, I guess they can cut that out or something. But they didn't. They totally they played the whole thing. Uh, you know, he roughed me up a bit. The crowd started chanting my name. You know, they're chanting for Cody, 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 and Angle selling it. And uh, man, it, it was awesome. It was like I couldn't have asked for it to have gone any better, uh, other than the fact that Kurt Angle kicked me right in the face, uh, for real. Uh, <laughs> mistimed his kick and misplaced his kick and, and kicked me right in the jaw and right in the mouth, and I couldn't eat uh, for a week after. But it was worth it. <laughs> hey, you would definitely uh, you would cross paths with uh, Kurt Angle a little bit down the road. But mm-hmm. we will stay with the WWE just very briefly. Now, did you get any feedback at all from any of those uh, tryouts or, or any of the extra work that you did? Did anybody kind of sit you down and give you the lay of the land and maybe see if it, you know the door was open? Yeah, um, not so much uh, after those tryouts. Like uh, I, got, I got a number of po- a lot of positive feedback when I did it. Um, the match that I had with Muhammad Hassan and then the Kurt Angle actually were, were a Monday and a Tuesday. They happened right side side by side. Um, I did the Muhammad Hassan dark match, uh, and it went so well that uh, Steve Kern, one of the producers, suggested that they use me on SmackDown the next day. So he introduced me personally to Kurt Angle and and uh, you know put me over to Kurt right in front of him told him how great I was and how, how good of a match I had. Um, so I got a lot of really positive feedback. And so that's what they kept asking me to come back. And I went back a number of times, um, but then nothing was happening. I wasn't getting a contract. And uh, <clears throat> so I finally, one of the times I was there doing extra work, I, I walked right up to Arn Anderson, who was a guy I respected and I wanted to know his opinion. And I walked right up to him. I said, how the hell do I get a job here? And I think he was kind of taken aback. I said, I just need somebody to tell me straight up what I need to do because whatever I'm doing right now isn't working. And I've been here a number of times. And I need to know why I'm not getting signed, if you can tell me, or what I need to do. And he just looked me in the face and he just, just gave me really simple advice. And he just said, you got to be different. And I said, okay. And then he he clarified. You know, he said, uh, we've, we've got a Rey Mysterio we don't need another Rey Mysterio, but he's different because of the way he he moves. We got a Big Show. He's giant. You know, he's different. Those guys have jobs because they're different. Um, to, but you can't be Rey Mysterio and you can't be a giant. But you got to do something that's going to make you stand out. So that got my wheel spinning, and uh, I realized, you know, I'm a good worker. I know how to. I know how. I knew the game, I knew psychology, I knew the basics, I knew how to do everything. Um, but the only way I, I figured I could really stand out from the pack was to change my look. And that's when I um, created the Cody Diener character um, and decided to cut my hair um, willing, willingly into a mullet and walk around like that <laughs> for five years of my life, uh, grow a handlebar mustache, and uh, totally altered the way I look. And um, that that got me noticed. Um, specifically, it got me noticed by um, Krista Joseph, uh, who was a writer on SmackDown and is now uh, writing for Lucha Underground. Uh, he right. became a huge fan of Cody Diener. Um, Tommy Dreamer was a huge fan of the, that recreation. And uh, the only reason I know Krista Joseph was a big fan is because Tommy Dreamer told me, he said, Krista Joseph has your 8x10 
promo picture up on his desk wall, like right beside his writing <laughs> desk. So I was like, holy crap, okay. So I was pretty excited. And uh, <clears throat> so I I, I uh, got offered to come back for a couple more um, tryouts. And I also did a pre-tape, um, which is when they were really interested in a guy. They'd bring him into the promo room and have him cut promos. So um, I went and did some pre-tapes um, to introduce the Cody Diener character. Um, those went across Krista Joseph's desks, went across a couple other people's desks. Um, and it was right around the time that I was doing that that I was also um, sniffing around at TNA and getting interest from TNA. And um, I don't know if I would have been offered anything from the WWE, but I never was. I ended up getting some offered something from TNA first, and uh, it was my first big break, so I went with that. So before we get into the meat and potatoes of the TNA run, how did you get some of the inspiration for a lot of the intricacies of the Cody Diener character? Um, honestly, it was from people that I grew up with. I grew up in a very small town, uh, tiny, tiny. It's not even a town. There's no streetlight uh, in where I grew up. There's actually only two stop signs in this small little village that I lived in um, that had a population of about 50 to 100 people year-round. But in the summertime, the population was about 1,000 people. That's because in the summertime, uh, it was the three trailer parks in town were full. Uh so I grew up I grew up around Trailer Park Rednecks, and um, a lot of the inspiration for my character simply came from the guys that I grew up grew up around growing up. So then you so you get the interest of TNA. Who was the first person to reach out to you and say, uh, "Come down to Orlando. We want to uh, give you a shot." Um, I reached out myself. Um, I was good friends with Showtime Eric Young, and uh, I would go down to uh, visit him uh, back in the Nashville days, actually. The first time I, I actually wrestled for TNA, I actually did it before the Cody Diener character. I wrestled for TNA. I wrestled Abyss on, I think it was Explosion, or whatever it was before they actually had Impact. Uh, I wrestled Abyss um, back in the Nashville days, and... Uh, I would go every summer uh, to Nashville and then later to Orlando just to hang out with Showtime, but uh, be backstage and kind of just talk to the guys and let my face be shown. And um, the first person to take an interest uh, just in my look and just me as a person was Jeff Jarrett. And um, <clears throat> we talked, we actually kind of started pitching and just having informal talks about what they could do with the Coyadina character man, two, maybe even three years before I actually got signed. Um, because I was doing the Cody Diener character for a number of years before I ended up getting my contract. And it was about, yeah, two summers of me just kind of, you know, talking with them uh, informally um, before uh, it actually happened. So then, so you, uh, wow, so that's pretty interesting that uh, Jared was that... Yeah into the character that much before, but when you got there, who was the, the mm. who wrote for you specifically um, most of that time? Was Russo involved, or was he more towards the top? Because it seems like the Cody Diener character definitely could have some elements of Vince Russo, you know, kind of filtered in there. Yeah, yeah. Well, actually what happened was uh, <clears throat> when I came, when I got hired and kind of was coming in, it was actually right when Jeff Jarrett was leaving and losing power. Um, so I was originally, from my understanding, I was going to be brought in more as the Cody Diener character that I was doing on the independent circuit. I was still a character, like an obvious redneck hillbilly, but I was a wrestler. Um, I wasn't kind of a bumbling buffoon, you know, idiot. I was a redneck, but I was a, a tough redneck, and I was going to come in as a wrestler. Um, but some things got changed, and uh, I was no longer going to be brought in that way. I was going to be brought in as, you know, ODB's love interest, as the crazy, wild, hillbilly fan who was in love with ODB and had, had never wrestled a day in his life. 
so that drastically altered uh, what I was able to do um, work-wise in the ring. And yes, Vince Russo um, was the guy I, I, the whole time I was there, was a guy who was writing for me and who I was um, involved with in terms of pitching ideas and, and uh, getting things done. It was, uh, it was all Russo. One question I really wanted to ask, I was very curious. Did you, I almost, I almost kind of feel like maybe I know the answer, but did you like the pairing with ODB or did you really die? Like, did you like that they put you in with her, basically? Like, that was going to be your gimmick with her. Yeah, I like the pairing, um, but in hindsight, I didn't like um, how the pairing was done. Um, well, because I have, and I uh, I get this a lot from fans um, that I talk to now. They're like, oh, man, like, they totally misused you um, when you were there. Um, and these are coming from fans that have, you know, grown up and seen me, you know, for, wrestle for the last 15 years. I know that I can have an awesome match. I can have a kick-ass main event match. Um, but I wasn't able to show that while I was there. Um, so I think the the fit with me and ODB couldn't have been more perfect. But I think if we would have been, if I could have been more of a, a tougher, badass, redneck boyfriend, you know, very like essentially the male version of her. I think we could have we could have we could have drawn money for sure. There would have been more money involved rather than just having me be kind of the bumbling um, redneck fool uh, boyfriend um, that hey I had fun with and I made it work. Um, but I think it could have been more, and I think she she thought the same thing. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it was an entertaining duo, but I felt like they kind of chopped their legs out by kind of saying, oh, this guy, he has no wrestling experience. He's just a fan of ODB. You know, like the way they brought you in, I feel like maybe that wasn't the best way to showcase you, you know, your wrestling ability. No, absolutely it wasn't. No, it was uh, extremely hard in terms of getting my legs cut out from under me. There was a number of times, like, uh, for example, when I, when I had my first match, it was I was reminded by the producers, like, you got to remember, you you can't wrestle. You're not a wrestler. So I, I'm going out there in a wrestling match fighting guys, but I got to do it in a way without it kind of exposing the business, even though <laughs> it isn't it already. The fact that I'm going to even be able to survive a match with these guys that are trained wrestlers. But I have to do it in a way that shows that, you know, I'm not a total pro um, because then it makes it look like anybody can get in there and do it. Right, so I've, I've been told I I I, I got to do it as if I'm not a wrestler. So trying to wrestle but not wrestle at the same time is pretty damn difficult. But I feel like <laughs> I was able to do it. Um, and then when they started to pair me with uh, the knockouts and I was wrestling girls, the backstory on that was they had this whole pl- idea planned out that I was going to lead. I was going to wrestle girls leading up to my big blow-off match with ODB, but. Something happened along the way. I don't remember the exact story, but there was a story that was in the news that it actually involved MTV or Viacom or whatever, one of the major corporate companies that was close to Spike TV, um, where a guy, a guy physically assaulted a woman. Um, I don't remember the full story. I was told by this by a producer. Um, I think it was actually Vince Russo who told me this. But he's telling me that this happened and they had... <clears throat> been told by Spike TV that guys are are not allowed to touch the girls physically mm. in any way. They're not allowed to touch them. And he they had just written five weeks of TV of me, leading up to matches me against ODB where I was going to be wrestling girls on the show. So I said, well, now what the hell are we going to do? And he goes, we're going on as planned. We're not, we can't rewrite the show. I said, "Well, how the oh, hell am wow. I going to wrestle? How the hell am I going to wrestle these girls if I can't touch them?" He goes, "That's <laughs> what you got to figure out." <laughs> he goes, I, "I believe you can do it." Holy crap! So, um, with that being said, I, I, I got a lot of I got a lot of slack from certain people about how those matches weren't the greatest matches, or that you know I was taking a spot away from a girl and yada yada yada. Well, if you actually go back and watch them. Knowing that backstory, realizing I had to try to put a match together where I was wrestling a girl, but I'm not allowed to touch the girl. 
you know, go back and watch it in that light, and maybe you'll view those matches a little bit different and, and maybe have a, a new appreciation for uh, what I did. That, that's great, and that's so I, – I, like, I don't even know how to, else to say it, but that's so Russo of it to be like, <laughs> you got to wrestle a girl, but wait, I can't touch them? No, you can't touch them. Figure it out. Yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, Russo gets a lot of slack from, like, he's a very polarizing guy. People either like him or they hate him. Um, I didn't necessarily like what I was doing, but I really liked Vince Russo. Um, I still like Vince Russo. Um, he was he was great. He was uh, he worked with me closely. He was always open to my ideas. Um, there's a couple times that I would actually send things to him, suggestions on a promo that I wanted to do. But one time in particular, I sent him something, and I was sent you know the the, the script or the if you want to call it that for the for the show, um, and everything that I had sent him was in in there. Like word for word, everything that I wanted to do, he had used it. Um, and anytime he handed me verbiage and said, you know, he'd written something for me, okay, here's your promo. Every time he gave it to me, he said, this is your promo, but this is not what you have to say. This is the gist of what you have to say. But you're Cody Diener. You know your character. You say it how you would say it. Just get across this idea. But I... I trust you and that you can, you do it how you want to do it. So, I mean, that was, that was great having that freedom. Um, so even though Russo was writing for me, I was able to, to make the promos and make the things entertaining um, within the guidelines that I was given. Yeah. Russo, I mean, he's definitely polarizing. You hear a lot of stories from him, but a lot of the guys that actually work with him one-on-one say that, you know, he's pretty good with like bouncing ideas back and forth and stuff. So that's uh, yeah. pretty, you know, pretty much in line with uh, what you hear about him. As crazy as as some of his ideas are, that you know, so you hear, but he will work with the guys. So that's uh, that's a cool story with uh, with Vince. Yeah, yeah, but, he's a, he's he's a great guy. I I I really do I really do like Vince. Um, I got along with him great, and yeah, all my working with him um, creatively was was totally positive. Now, a little bit after that, or, or basically around the same time, you become the knockout champion. Was that weird being like the woman's champ? Almost like, a, I guess, you know, somewhat of a joke that you're, you're, you're a guy is the woman's champ. Was that strange? Yeah. I mean, um, they approached me with the idea. Vince came to me and asked me or told me that that's what they, they wanted to do. And, uh, you know, if that was something that I'd be willing to do, and being, you know, a year into the company and being the new guy, and they're coming to you saying, here's what we want to do, will you do it? I wasn't really in the position to say no. I, I had, the only concern I had with it, I knew I could make it work. I knew it was meant to be funny, but I could make it work. And I, my vision for it was, okay, if he let if they let me do this properly, I can be, the the new Andy Kaufman of professional wrestling. I can get heat um, off of this, and we can actually make money off of this. If I if they allow me to be a big enough jerk about this, then I can create a me versus the entire knockouts division, where I'm the guy that comes in and says I'm better than all you get, all of you girls. None of you are worth it or worth a darn. Um, only a man should be holding a wrestling championship. Um, and we could have made, we could have really made it work really well. Um, they let me do a little bit of that, but they, they tweaked it. Um, but my main concern was, well, what do I do after? Because I know that if I go and I wrestle a girl at the end of this, I know what the finish is. The finish is ODB is going to beat me. So as a guy being beat by a girl, I've just lost a ton of credibility as a professional wrestler. Mm-hmm. So if I'm if a girl's going to beat me, I need to know what the, are the plans for me after that. Am I just is this the last angle that I'm going to be doing with the company, and then you're going to let me go, or is something planned? And Vince told me, um, no. What we're actually going to do is the plan was um, after 
the match, I was going to be angry and I was going to attack ODB. And then uh, Trevor Murdoch, who was uh, had a short-term contract with TNA at the time, who was wrestling as uh, Jethro Holiday, is what his name was in TNA. But uh, Trevor Murdoch was going to come out and start fighting me and scrapping me for you know attacking her after the bell. And then we were going to fight and have a crazy brawl all over the arena post-match. And then what we were going to do for a number of weeks after that was continue to fight each other in and out of backstage promos, during matches. You would just see me and Trevor Murdoch beating the crap out of each other anywhere and everywhere throughout the show for a number of weeks. Um, kind of like just these two wild, crazy rednecks. Um, and then it was going to eventually, um, with multiple twists and things, eventually lead to Trevor Murdoch respecting me because I'm, you know, a small, uh, uh, smaller than him, but a, uh, I guess a sm- smaller than average wrestler who can take a total ass whipping, and he beat the crap out of me week in and week out, but finally ended up respecting me and kind of liking this feisty little redneck guy and kind of taking me under his wing. And then we become the redneck tag team, uh, tag team on the show. And I said, awesome, sounds perfect. You got a plan for me already after, let's do it. And about two, maybe two weeks, three weeks before um, the pay-per-view against ODB, Trevor Murdoch got fired. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, that actually made that. So I immediately went into uh, pitch pitch mode and started pitching all these ideas um, for things for me to do after um, I lost to ODB. And there was some interest on some of them, but they kind of all fell on uh deaf ears and none of them got none of them got used or done. <laughs> so overall did you enjoy your time there or you know was it a little bittersweet because they kinda could have had something better with you and they kinda well they blew it, but you know, basically um they kinda blew it. It's bittersweet. Um I mean it's I had a great time. Like I, I always have fun in the ring. Like no matter what I'm doing, whether it's something totally ridiculous or silly or totally serious and, you know, 60-minute Iron Man match, like I've done those before, like whatever what it is, whatever range that it is, I'm always having fun. Um, and I had a blast there. Um, I got to I made a bunch of friends, um, so that was the sweet part. Um, the bitter part is um, not bitter. I'm not bitter about anything. Um, but to go with the phrase bittersweet, I guess the negative part is looking back on it. I know I had more to offer than they um, allowed me to do. Um, I, I had more to offer um, them as a company and could have made the money. Um, but given the scenarios I was in, I made the best of what I was given and uh, thought I did a good job and was told by a number of people and some higher-up guys that I did do a great job, and I was really good at what I did. So that felt good. And it was kind of, um, I guess, singled out uh, once the Hogan-Bischoff regime, which I mentioned a little earlier, stepped in because, uh, you know, a guy who you had mentioned, you know, that you watched growing up, Hulk Hogan, had said that the Cody Diener character was, quote, low budget, and in their quote, revamping of TNA, uh, you kind of were unceremoniously, you know, let go, and and they really went nowhere with the direction that they were, uh, I guess, heading the company in with some of their uh, ideas. But I guess you can almost even say, ironically, um, you know, your pal, Showtime Eric Young, kind of inherited almost your exact (laughs) storyline and role with ODB, but about a year and a half after you were out of the company, what are your uh, what are your memories and thoughts on that whole <laughs> dismissal and then all the other stuff afterwards? Yeah, um, in terms of the dismissal, um, I mean, I heard the same thing you just said, but I was never, I know, I was never told that by anybody in the TNA office. I was given other reasons. Uh, I wasn't told you know, to my face that. Hulk Hogan was deciding that he didn't like Cody Diener and he was low budget. I would have liked to have had 
Hulk Hogan come up and tell me that. It'd be a sweet. At least, at least I could say, you know, the guy that I watched growing up, you know, beating up my teddy bear as a kid, uh, <laughs> actually knew who I was. And even though my uh, he fired my ass, at least I'd have a Hogan story. Uh, but I, I didn't get that. Um, so I don't know if that's if that's true. If he did think that, um, if so, I mean that sucks. If that's the truth, um, because I mean there was a reason I looked quote unquote low budget. I was looking low budget on purpose. You know, yeah, I was a redneck exactly. who, who <laughs> I was a redneck who also wasn't a wrestler, so I couldn't have wrestling gear. I had to look like a guy who's trying to look like a wrestler who's a fan. So there was a method to my madness. Um, I was looking like that on purpose and just following orders. So um, there's that whole deal. But um, yeah, and I, you know, getting fired from your dream job after getting your first break sucks. Um, it was a month after I got married. I was married to my, to my wife, starting a new life. Then, you know, had my dream woman, my dream life, my dream job. And then a month after our, our glorious wedding, I got fired. <laughs> so that kind of sucked. Um, but, uh, I, you know, I just, you know, brushed myself up, picked myself up and, and kept on trucking. Um, but in terms of the other thing, the, uh, like the showtime doing the stuff with ODB, um, I thought it was great. Um, they're both my friends, um, uh, close friends of mine. So I thought what they were doing was, was fantastic. And of course the worker in me immediately started, uh, creatively thinking of ways that I could get involved and they could bring me back in and do something, uh, with it. But um, that never panned out either. But I thought what I thought the stuff that uh, Showtime did with ODB was was awesome. They're both extremely talented people. It's funny the uh, the Cody Diener character. You know, it, it's pretty funny. And watching um, Border City Wrestling, and I, I was watching the, the Kevin Nash stuff. Like, do you enjoy like <laughs> you know the, that that aspect of it, like the, the comedy aspect? Like, you're undefeated with Kevin Nash. Do you enjoy that aspect? Yeah, of it? absolutely, man. Like uh, that particular promo was extremely fun to do because it was just, you know, we just did it, and uh, I I I I cracked. Kevin and I also cracked the guy interviewing and I cracked the guy on the camera and I cracked everybody like everybody that was in the room started to laugh when I you know and uh but we kept going with it and uh we ended up using that take they weren't sure Scott Demore is actually producing that segment and uh wasn't sure if they're going to be able to use it because we cracked everybody but it ended up being the best take uh for that promo but um yeah I mean I just I I like to have fun, um, so me doing humorous things and promos and adding some humor into things that, for my character, it's just it just comes natural to me. It's just a natural extension of who I actually am as a guy. So um, absolutely, I, I enjoy it. It's just it's just the kind of person that I am. And you just said Scott Demore, and before you're talking about Jeff Jarrett being a fan. Any possibility mm-hmm. of going to GFW with Global Force coming around? Has there been any talks with them? Uh, all I will say to that is stay tuned. Oh, okay. Oh, nice little tease. Okay. Mm-hmm. Interesting. All right. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> now, as, as uh, we start to wind down a little bit here, um, you've wrestled a lot of big names and a lot of cool names that I'm sure hopefully good wrestling fans would know of great wrestlers like Michael Elgin, of course, Bobby Roode. Uh, hopefully they know Joe Doring, who's a great wrestler. And of course, uh, Brody Lee, a.k.a. Luke Harper, uh, Tyson Zeus, who's, who's, uh, who's a buddy of the shows. I mean, what would you say would be your favorite match of all time, or maybe even matches that you've had? Yeah, I can't narrow it down to one. That's 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 too tough. Um, there's been a number of of matches that I'm very proud of that I've had with uh, Sean Spears, who now wrestling is wrestling as the, the Perfect Ten, Ty Dillinger on NXT, uh, who is a guy that is not being showcased enough. That guy could make the WWE a million dollars today if they let him. 
Um, he's an amazing talent, and I've had a number of, of good matches with him. Uh, one in particular was a last-man-standing match that we had um, <clears throat> where we weren't even – we weren't originally supposed to be the main event of the show, but things got changed around and they put us in the main event and we, uh, we rocked the house. It was awesome. Um, I've also had, uh, some matches that I'm really proud of, um, with the local talent, um, named fighting Irish Jake O'Reilly. Um, he did a couple of, uh, shows with all Japan pro wrestling a few years ago. That's the most notable things uh, that he has done. He's also done a few, he did a few, uh, matches with TNA, um, back in the asylum days as well. Um, but we read, we did an angle, um, where we started the, the house for this indie promotion was about 150 people. And, uh, the promoter said, I'll let you book your own feud with uh, Jake O'Reilly for the next uh, year. And by the end of the year, uh, we drew a 1,000 people to the final show for the blow-off of our feud. So we went from 150 to 1,000 people to our blow-off match. So those series of matches that I had with him, uh, I'm extremely proud of. Very good. Now, who would you say of all your opponents would be maybe your favorite opponent? Maybe a guy that you just click with and you really enjoy working. They just name a couple good guys like Dillinger, but any mm-hmm. guy that sticks out as a favorite opponent of yours? Um, I can't say there's one guy uh, that sticks out. No, um, there's just, I mean, wrestlers who are, are listen might be listening to this will know what I mean. Like you just get in there and you just click with certain guys. Um, I know the handful of guys that I've wrestled that I just totally click with. Uh, you mentioned a few of them. You know, I, I always clicked with Michael Elgin when I wrestled him. I always had really good chemistry with uh, Brody Lee, Luke Harper. Um, my trainer, uh, Danger Boy Derek Wilde, I've wrestled him so many times. I can't even, I don't even know how many times I've wrestled him. But we always uh, clicked with one another. Uh, Sean Spears, for sure, uh, I click with. Um, a new uh, younger talent um, who just recently had a lot of tryouts with the WWE and uh, you know sent in his tough enough video. Um, you should, people should go check that out. Uh, his name is Tyler Turva. Um, he's I click with him. I've had some really good matches with him in the last year. Um, we click really well. So those are just a, a few of the guys that I um, love getting in the ring with. Now we named a lot of those great wrestlers that you've wrestled, one of the good matches that you've had. Is there any guy you haven't wrestled that you would die in your wrestle, like a quote-unquote dream match? Someone who's working right now or any time in history? No, it could be any time. It could be all time. Yeah. Um, most guys say, from my generation, will say Shawn Michaels. And uh, I have to say the same. Um, if I could get in the ring with Shawn Michaels and uh, in a perfect world with perfect booking and perfect circumstances, if I could have a you know a, a feud or series of matches with Shawn Michaels, um, man, nothing could beat that. He's the he's the greatest wrestler who's ever lived, um, hands down. The greatest in ring performer I think there is. Very cool. Well, how about? This one is uh, this is a great one. We call this the uh, the Diamond Dallas Page uh, celebratory. Where do you see yourself in five years in the wrestling business? Question. Ah, uh, um, <clears throat> I definitely see myself uh, wrestling on television again. Um, I'll be on the television screen. I'll be continuing uh, to wrestle who I want to wrestle for, where I want to wrestle for, uh, being my own boss, but I'll be on television, and I will be selling Cody Diener merchandise hand over fist. And if i got to <laughs> do it out of the back of my pickup truck, I will. <laughs> and with that being said, please tell all the fine folks where they can find all of their selling like hotcakes Cody Diener merchandise. <laughs> Uh, easiest way is simply go to CodyDiener.com. Uh, CodyDiener.com, I have my online store um, that I run it. Everything's through me. So if you buy a Cody Diener t-shirt, 
I'm putting in the mail and I'm sending it to you. I'm signing it. I'm handling it. It's all done through me. So my online store is at com, and also there you have uh, <clears throat> access to T-shirts, CDs of my band, uh, DVDs with bonus footage of my web series that I've produced, um, pictures, bandanas, hats, um, all on com, And then you can also find links uh, there to my social media accounts. I'm on Twitter at Cody Diener, and I'm also on Instagram at Cody Diener, and uh, also links to my YouTube channel, Official Cody Diener on YouTube. Awesome, and I definitely, uh, I definitely recommend checking out the Simpsons T-shirt. That one definitely stood out to me as my uh, my favorite <laughs> as I was breezing through the CodyDiener.com online store. So. Thank you so much yeah, for coming man, those on are, tonight. Those, yeah, dude, those are brand new. I just, I, those just showed up at my house like two days ago, so those are hot off the press. Uh, I haven't <laughs> even brought those to a, to a, to a show yet, so I don't. The way I operate is I, I, I buy a whole whack of them, and then once I sell out of them, I get a, I get a new design. So once those those Simpsons uh, shirts are gone, they're gone, and I have a feeling that they're going to go quick. So if people want those, then I gotta check them out quick. Um, but yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, it's been a pleasure. And uh, like I said uh, earlier, stay tuned. And uh, if my five-year plan works out, and uh, you guys want to have me back on in the future, I'd I'd love to come back. Awesome. awesome. Hopefully before then. But uh, we appreciate that, and uh, we will be talking to you, Cody. Thanks so much, man. All right, man. Give her.